Hello Magic Seekers and welcome to Turns Out She's a Witch. We're your hosts Tracy and Shannon and welcome to our podcast coven. amazing though that Shannon and I are literally sitting here talking to you <laughs> you think? and we need to have we really need to have a moment fangirling and make you feel super awkward because <laughs> we're both just reminiscing of um going to like I remember going to surf surf skate slam and seeing you and a big day out and yeah. and just it was like my idol up on there and and I needed oh. to be there to make sure I saw Fiona Horn and FFX and oh. it's crazy how like I'm now in my 40s a grown-ass woman and I'm sitting here talking to someone who was once my idol and and Shannon's oh. idol and how life comes along and how it brings you back into circles of energy yeah. of, of who you're supposed to connect with it's so freaking cool Oh, very, very much so. I agree with that, um, that those sort of cycles and those patterns that are kind of overlaid like that are, um, you know, it's all all kind of, uh, well, I mean, you make it, but it's also meant to be as well. You know, it's whether mm. you, I, I like that saying, um, sort of relates to this, but luck is uh, preparation meeting opportunity. I mean, you've, you've set up an environment that is co- conducive to allowing the patterns to manifest you know in these kinds of conversations and these ways and opportunities of communicating and connecting with someone like me or anyone else for that matter you know you've put yourself out there to mm-hmm. be available for this kind of magic and I think that's mm-hmm. something to how magic actually works actually as I've learned over the years you have to yeah. kind of put, put yourself we can't wait put to yourself find in the game all. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm very flattered and, and that you've both excited to chat with me and especially because um, I have been going through a pretty massive change with my life yeah. in my hand and, um, you know, the, the ramifications of this are just uh, very confronting. Um, so, yeah, I'm grateful for any any kind word or any positive energy right now. I feel, I feel it all very much Aww. in my heart, so I appreciate it. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. um. In your email, you said you were focusing on gratitude and it was so interesting because when I was replying to you about it, I was thinking, I don't even know what to say to you because I know that um, I know that you would be thinking of it as how it's happening for you, the blessing behind it, the gratitude behind it. You would be seeing it in that way. But at the same time, it's like that fucking sucks. Mm. It sucks so bad and it's that's so true. It's There's that side of it where you, you know, but. I mean, I'm every day. It's a commitment to processing this in a healthy uh, way that um, allows me to be accepting and uh, and useful. And yet, it's a sometimes there are these waves of feeling that come over me that are uh, just 
yeah, it sucks. It sucks so bad. Mm. Um, and yet I've got to just trust that it's and, and, and trust the guidance that it's happened for a reason. But that, all that being said, I'm, I have a session with a clinical psychologist tomorrow, my first one, um, that I've ever had in my life, really, through all the shitty things that I've gone through. Wow. <laughs> I just, I'm actually going to do this because I actually have noticed some odd physical things like nervous tics, stammer, uh, a shudder that is hard for me to manage when I start talking about the incident. And so there's something more than uh, a spiritual approach that is needed right now to manage some of the, I think, the, you know, for want of a better word, PTSD from it. Mm. Um, but it's very uh, humbling as well um, because you just realise it's, I don't know, it's it's just um you can have a lot of things happen in life and uh, an amputation of a body part is when it happens under a, in a traumatic situation, like I think if it was what I've been told and I'll probably learn more is that, uh, you know, if you are, you know, if you have cancer and your foot's amputated to save your life because there's cancer in your foot, you will treat that differently mm. to, or even if you go to war and you suffer an injury and an amputation as a result of that, you kind of signed up for it. You took on that. You go, okay, that's, you had a contract with yourself that you were going to commit to something. But when you lose a part of your body in a traumatic incident, when you don't have that um, adjustment, it's, well, that that deal with yourself that I'm going to take what the risks, you know, it's, it's a totally different way the mind and soul, I think, processes it. Maybe not the soul because the soul knows what it's signed up for, but the mind, the human mind definitely processes it mm. differently. And I think that's what's coming out in some of these weird physical kind of, you know, nervous tics. And when I start stammering, it's really hard to control, you know, it's weird stuff like that. So that's why I need yeah. to see the psychologist. That's why I'll have my hand therapy and I'll just kind of do this old school. Usually I'll just, in the past, I'd just be like, oh, fuck it, get back on the horse. And I did on the weekend. I played a couple of gigs, but this is kind of different. So mm. I need to, uh, you know, manage it in uh, in as many, you know, holistic and, and also kind of practical ways that I can, mm. you know. And that sounds so healthy. Um, you know, there's so many people who can go through an experience like that and shut down and say, no, I'm fine and not deal with it. And, um, and then they downward spiral, but obviously mm. your connection to yourself and how well you know yourself and your connection to the divine and that plan. It's like, okay, I know this is, I get this whole situation and I know how I feel. And I know that right now, this is a human level thing that I need to assist myself with. And mm. I hope, hopefully tomorrow's session um, brings some relief for you yeah. in some way. I hope so too. Thank you. Yeah. And I, I think just, you know, I'm sober in a program as well. So there's that kind of, that side of life where I observe certain triggers and reactions to mm. um, kind of hand it over to my program and and uh, I see as I think I would benefit having a similar approach with managing the uh, the ongoing days it's been three it'll be three weeks tomorrow since the wow. attack and uh, so it's oh, still it's pretty quick. new yeah it has gone quick but it's still <clears throat> it's still pretty new you know Mm. And how's your dog doing now? Sari's doing great. Thank you for asking. She, uh, when I say great though, she's got like horrible scarring on her Aww. ear and um, and holes in her face. But her hair is like literally, it's like she's just got had dents in her 
where the other dog had taken her head in its mouth. Um, but it was her, I think Ding, she's a dingo. Dingoes are very resilient. Um, it definitely affected her personality uh, at first her, um, in that she became very skittish. She's always had quite a bright, mm. sunny personality, but she became very skittish. Um, but I think a lot of that was with me too. I needed to, you know, mellow out my energy and uh, help her know that I was okay and she was okay. And but, um, you know, when you talk about gratitude, I'm just grateful it's not worse for her, mm-hmm. as bad as it was. Uh, did get her away from the dog. You know, I found <laughs> out that I did that in the process, but it did, you know, happen that we, I think we minimised the injury to her because mm-hmm. we got her away. The way it grabbed her, she didn't have a recourse because it was just so quick. Um, so, uh, yeah, and in, and she was in her home, you know, in our home. Yeah, she wasn't wow. in that. There was no, it just came out of nowhere like a flash. It was really bad, mm. uh, this animal, the way it attacked her and, and all of that. But um, anyway, so, yeah, you, I just, I'm grateful she's, it could have been worse with her and it, and she's doing okay. And with me, the pattern of these bites, I could have very easily lost the top of these two fingers too. And I really wow. think if I would lost them, there's deep cuts through here and our bed's punctured. But I think if I'd lost them as well, I really don't think I'd be able to um, be sitting here right now and chatting away. I, I think I can understand the lesson of this that's come with losing half sizable chunk, almost half of my little finger. But if I'd lost those as well, mm. I, uh, yeah, I mean, with typing my books and just, I mean, I can type without the finger. It's like it's just the levels of how bad it could be mm. or it could have been my whole hand. I mean, there's just it's so many reasons to be grateful on that level. And then there were other lessons learned through it too, so. You know, I don't know if we're actually doing our interview now, are we? Or is it, you know, <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> you can keep some of this if you want to. You edit it together if you want. Well, I'm a healer, so it's 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 totally fine for all of this to be sitting here, and and I'm really I feel really humbled and honoured, privileged, and I'm sure Shannon does too to be able to sit in this space mm. with you and share this vulnerability because uh, it takes a lot. Um, and I was just sitting here thinking, like, how inspiring you are. Um, and, um, how much, and I know that it just, it's too, it's too soon to think about these things, but this will be another reason for you to just be more of an inspiration for whoever knows who it is. And probably some people that are listening to this podcast too. So well, I hope, I, I hope I'm that, just um, like, <laughs> well, if it, if it comes, if it can have that, um, if having this, uh, experiencing this and sharing lessons from it can have that effect, then, um, might sound strange, but I would consider it like more than worth more than worthwhile um I've certainly learned some inner lessons um and I've been just so touched by the outpouring of support I I didn't you know good old social media it's one of those wonderful blessings and curses at times and I've been so very grateful to have my Facebook and Instagram page as a um a way of connecting with you know kind of call it fan Malie, you know, like that kind of, you know, (laughs) or but also friends and, you know, I've lived in a number of different places around the world and, you know, modern technology and the blessing of social media is that it does allow us to connect and communicate. And when I did put something up on 
on my Facebook and Instagram about what had happened because we'd had to cancel a huge show, a big record launch that we were doing, and I'd also cancelled two other personal appearances I was doing. Um, and I knew I needed to let people know what had happened because there was starting to be a bit of gossip and weirdness going on and I didn't want people to worry. I mean, it's mm. really freaking bad, but I don't I I think I needed to let people know. So when I shared the shared what had happened, um I was so touched by the thousands of um you know, hearts and care symbols and all of those lovely little emojis and emoticons, um, but also very much the hundreds and hundreds of comments from people and on offers of support. And I think that that was so healing for me. Um, and then I turned nine years sober, you know, two days after the event and and shared again that and it gave me an opportunity to consider how in this time of, of extreme crisis and stress that um, I had... Uh, I stayed sober, mm. you know. I didn't pick up anything, and and even when the doctors were telling me they could give me stronger medication, I said, um, you know, do you think I can manage it on Panadol and ibuprofen? And they said, well, you can try. And so I was able to even in that moment exercise my, you know, cl- the clarity of my commitment to my program. Um, and you know, to turn nine years sober as this happened uh, was massive. a real. Yeah, and I, I think um, unbelievable. I think yeah, I think if some of these things are useful for people to know, um, and I'll also offer this that you know this is just what happened to me. Um, I mean, God, there's been so many things that happen to people in the world where we we have these extraordinary experiences, and I was very humbled to get a message from a friend who lost her legs. Um, in a car accident where she was hit by a drunk driver and this was a number of years oh, ago and wow. I remember at the time it was in the islands and we all, you know, were doing fire dancing benefits and shows to raise money for her and try to help her and, and you know, it was just the most and, and she was offering me support and, and giving me advice on how it feels to be an amputee and uh, it's very humbling um, but I think sometimes events like this bring out the very best of the human spirit mm. and we've been in the human condition and I think we're living in a time where we are um, also seeing the worst, uh, you know, in many instances of um, humans behaving in a way that isn't for the the common good or the greater good and I think that um, it's such a blessing to be reminded of just how intrinsically good the human is um yeah and how everyone you know will come together in a crisis and try to help each other and uh that's really beautiful you know to be reminded also, that to be reminded that that's possible from great trauma yeah it's also a sign of your spirit and the karma that you have that mm. um pulls back to you as quick as it does that just shows the the vibration, the frequency that you sit on and what you get back when you need it the most. And mm-hmm. a lot of the time it's really hard to accept love and to accept support and to accept um, an outpouring of, of other people's stuff. It can be really difficult, but um, you're, you're doing it very gracefully and I'm very, I, I admire it. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, 
Shannon, which you've seen, you have like written like um, 5,000 questions because you're a little bit excited. (laughs) Just a a few. (laughs) I just know that, yeah, our listeners are going to love to hear from you and your wisdom. So I wanted to pick pick your brains as much as I could while we have you. Go for it. Go for it. So I do have an intro just to let everyone know who you are and all the amazing things you do. So I will start off with that and then we can get into it all. Hello to our beautiful podcast coven. I'm joined today by our wonderful Tracy. And do we have a treat for you today? Our next guest on Turns Out She's a Witch is a rock star goddess, author of many best-selling books on modern witchcraft, a pilot, a professional fire dancer, a world record-holding skydiver, a freediver who can dive to 33 metres on just one single breath, and she's a witch. Fiona Horn launched her music career defiantly and uniquely at the tender age of 18, teaching herself how to play guitar and singing in her own band. At the time, there were not many women playing guitar or singing on Australian stages, and young Fiona made her mark with her fearless stage persona, defiant lyrics, and powerful guitar playing. In 1991, she co-formed electro-rock outfit Def FX, who went on to have major local and international success, topping the independent charts consecutively, receiving an ARIA nomination for Best Independent Album in 1993, plus regular appearances in Triple J's Hottest 100. One of Australia's hardest working live bands in their seven-year career, headlining to thousands of people and touring with international acts like Smashing Pumpkins, No Doubt and Blink-182. Fiona demonstrated unique songwriting abilities with DevFX and her strong, wild stage performances captivated audience in Australia, Asia and the USA. She inspired a generation of young women in the 90s to be creative, confident, to rock hard and believe in themselves. And Tracy and I were definitely two of those young women. After DevFX, Fiona worked successfully in, a, in television and radio, hosting shows and regular appearances on major Australian networks, two charting solo music projects, and she commenced writing 14 globally best-selling books on modern witchcraft published between 1997 and 2021. In 2000, she moved to the USA to work in television and radio, and in 2004 scored a starring role in the Sci-Fi Channel TV hit series Mad Madhouse. After 10 successful years in Hollywood, she changed her life's direction in 2011 and became a commercial pilot, flying humanitarian aid in the Caribbean, plus working as captain for an air charter company. The lockdowns of 2020 saw the aviation industry grounded and her full-time return to Australia, basing herself in Western Australia with partner and celebrated musician Dave Spiff Hopkins. In 2021, Fiona returned to the Australian stage, songwriting, playing guitar and singing in two projects, an acoustic duo, Spiff and Fifi, and original rock band, Sea Witch. In February this year, Fiona released a revised edition of her book, Teen Magic, Witchcraft for a New Generation. And once again, through her music, writing and presence is inspiring people of all ages and backgrounds to be confident and free to express themselves. Fiona is an international leading expert on modern witchcraft and Wicca, dispelling negative stereotypes and myths, educating the mainstream public about what is now acknowledged as a world religion and respected spiritual path. And we are so excited to welcome her onto our podcast. 
<laughs> Thank you. Goodness. <laughs> Shannon, that was epic. <laughs> Thank you. Well, you're pretty epic yourself, so I felt like you needed quite the introduction. It's just amazing <laughs> all of these things you have done in your life. It's, yeah, wow. <laughs> well, I'll tell you one How thing I haven't it? done. I didn't have children um, from uh, the human form, children from the womb that this physical body has. I um, I had different types of children, my books and my music, but I, I didn't have children and raise a family and I have a lot of respect for people that have taken that that uh, path. I consider that to be a really extraordinary extraordinary commitment and achievement to do something like that and that's something I will never do, certainly not in the, the way of bearing children from my own body. And um, But I am everyone's favourite babysitter and auntie, so that's good. I love kids. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> Was that a conscious decision or did life just happen? Because you've done life. Mm. Like you have for a human mm. have done life. Mm, it's interesting putting it that way, Tracy. It's, uh, yeah, I guess, you know, it wasn't a conscious decision. There was, there was a period in my late 20s um, that I felt very, and early 30s, I felt very, very, very clucky. Um, and, but I would have been having a child for all the wrong reasons. I was feeling intrinsically um, unlovable and unworthy of love, even as I was in death effects. You know, I was a young woman struggling with self-image and a whole lot of things, a lot of weird stuff that was going on behind the scenes. And I, um, yeah, I, you know, I just didn't, there was one time I might have been able to and I decided, and kind of the universe decided for me in the end it was neck topic pregnancy, so it just couldn't happen anyway. And the decision was taken away. Um, and, uh, yeah, so it just, I guess then I, life just kept happening, <laughs> mm-hmm. as you put it. And what a life it's been, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, I love to ask our quest, I guess this question. So what does the word witch mean to you? Wow. On a program called Turns Out She's a Witch, what does the word witch mean to me? Um, it's had different meanings at different times of my life to me. Um, what does it mean now? I think that uh, I'm pausing for a moment because a lot of things go through my head. I don't want to just give the stock standard answer that I've said many times, which is, oh, well, a witch honours nature is sacred, recognises the goddess or God or multiple, you know, expressions of divinity and sometimes not divinity, but there might be an atheist witch and there's a different kind of approach to how they interact with spiritual kind of, uh, you know, divine presences or, you know, just potential in the universe. Um, But a witch to me right now I would think is... uh, Definitely all that stuff, but also as well a member of a magical community that's growing really fast and bigger than ever in my current lifespan. Um, the the number of people who identify and who identify as which male, female, non-gender specific, non-binary, whatever, um, is the most I think surely and ever in human history. So what does it mean to be a witch? I think it means, what does the word mean? I think it, uh, we are the inevitable result of the human condition and the things that are important to us are are essential right now. The way we practice our magic, the way we live on the planet, the way we interact, the potentialities we kind of brew up, you know, spellcasting and ritual work are all 
meant to be. Does that make sense? Is that? Mm, yeah. Absolutely. It's, <laughs> and I'm it's just looking like at that it's because the I'm the realist. I've been, well, yeah, and it's like I've been around this now for decades um, and I can remember what it was like when I was first taking my tentative steps, I would honestly say at the age of five, um, and then through my teens and, and onwards and now, you know, at the linear year of 55, I mean, it's been half a century of watching this change, feeling it, changing me, experiencing it. Yeah. So. yeah. When did you first know? Like when did you first have that concept of a witch and how did that get sort of, how were you exposed to that that idea? Well, I mentioned being as young as five. I mean, I was exposed to it by reading Enid Blyton books. And <laughs> you see what you see. I started reading very young. Um, I was a voracious reader. I mean, maybe <laughs> I wasn't reading all of Enid Blyton at the age of five, but not long after that. I was always a really good reader um, and I lived in, in I was very uh, reclusive sort of uh, little creature and I, my mother would say she'd find me in my bedroom reading. So books were the way um, and then TV bewitched. <laughs> but I came on TV. But I think when I was much younger, I was it sort of exposed to the fantastical, the fantasy element of it, but I didn't think that it was fantasy. I And I didn't relate to the spooky bad witch. I related to to the witch that um, was capable of, of making things happen and um, in, in ways that were unusual or different. And um, and that there was something intrinsically magical in the world, and I always related it to magic, and maybe that's be, I mean to the natural world, and it might have been as well because I've thought about this a bit in recent times. But reading like the Inner Blyton books and things where you know the children were always in a tree or out in the woods or the mm-hmm. forest, and it always just seemed very like well, obviously that's where the magic is. <laughs> just seemed very obvious. Yeah, and. Um, and then, you know, as you go through your teens, and I was a teen in the 80s, so there was the New Age movement exploding and, you know, more and more information coming out. But in those days, no internet or anything, obviously. I was hunting through secondhand bookstores and, you know, uh, that was it was all very much sort of accumulated that way. But, but I think most significantly just within my own personal experience and the journals that I wrote, and I, I was keeping journals from when I was like seven, I, you know, and obviously they became more expansive and and uh, and uh, descriptive as I grew, you know, older and capable of writing more. Um, but there was always the element of, uh, you know, little things like I I left something for the fairies last night because I want this to happen today, and I hope they they let let it happen. You know, things, little comments like that. That to me, if I wrote that at the age of seven, is like. I'm obviously already interacting with a with an idea that the world is intrinsically magical and that I have a relationship with it. And taking on the name witch or the title witch, do you remember when you did that the first time? Definitely, definitely in um it was I just it was in the late 80s and it was but it was really cemented for me in the early 90s and I it was when I, I found the book Way of the Goddess by Lai Warren Clark and it was at a bookstore in Byron Bay and Death Effects were on tour. I'll never forget that. And I just looked at it and went, I really, I know I am. I'm a witch. This is That's yeah. me. And, and it was this kind of witch, you know, like uh, not not a fantasy imaginary one, a real one. And um, and then that's just been a, a journey of learning, conscious learning mm. since then. And if you could 
get into a time machine and go back and give your younger self some advice, what would it be? Mm. I could answer that the obvious way, (laughs) which would be be kinder to yourself. Don't be so hard on yourself. Like, you know, just give it. You know, you're amazing, beautiful, and beauty doesn't have to be about the physical appearance. You've you've got a good soul and a good heart and you're a good girl. And, you know, I would say a lot of those kind of things. And um and you don't you don't have to suffer. You don't have to be sad. You don't have to make yourself suffer. Um, you know, I would say a lot of kind of things like that to try and have that journey perhaps be a little bit different but you know I think from a witch's perspective what might I've said to the younger witch um well you know what I I think what I might say to some other younger witches would be don't compare yourself to others you know don't you know stick with the witches who make you smile not frown things Mm -hmm. like that um and and magic isn't a competition and being a witch isn't isn't a competition either um but for me back then, I was already so solitary. I didn't even compare or contrast or feel I had to be anything other than my own weird self in my own weird little way until I sort of became, got very out about it and started writing books about it and, you know. So, um, yeah, but I don't know if that answers what you said. Yeah, <laughs> it does. Hey. It's a good answer. <laughs> <Definitely>. Thank you. <laughs> It's a new moon after all. Yeah, it is. New moon is happening. (laughs) So I purchased your your latest and she absolutely loves it and it's got little bookmarks all the way through it. Oh, I'm so happy. That's wonderful. And she's really enjoying it. But it's just packed to the brim with information, spells, stories, insights. So what inspired you to revisit? Mm. Well, I've got to say I'm very lucky to have amazing publishers with Rockwell Publishing and Lisa and Paul, who are the husband and wife powerhouse team that run that publishing house. Um, I'm very lucky that they are so encouraging and also kind of have their finger on the pulse so much and kind of know me better than I know myself sometimes. Um, they suggested it. They said, we think this would be a good idea. It's timely. And and they said, we can we can get it out fast too. It can address everything that's happening right now. So I actually mm. even started revisiting all that, that text and content um, just like last, it was only last year, as, yeah. you know, I was losing my job flying airplanes because of the COVID shutdowns that were happening in the US where I was living at the time in the Caribbean and, you know, the airlines are grounded and, every, you know, and everything's going away. I was able to address some of that time and that change and that shift in the book um, and then continue to kind of work through addressing, you know, social media and how different it is uh, for you know, young pe- younger people, physical linear, young people now, teenagers, so to speak, though I've been told they don't like to be called teenagers. It's got to be a new term. I don't know what it is, but it's not teenagers. <laughs> um, baby witches, I've been told, witchy types. But, um, and that's such a provocative um, and sometimes problematic term, depending on who you're talking to, but they've claimed it. Um, I think it's kind of fun. But, uh, but anyway, so they having great publishers who gave me the nudge and then realising that that was just all meant to be anyway because I reworked that material but it was I probably put more hours into reworking it and writing new material for it and then I have 
in writing a book from scratch. So many hours went into that book, um, revisiting the material, changing it. I'm very lucky. I've got an amazing editor, Katie Day. She's so patient and awesome. And we went back through so many versions of it and, and just trying to, like, make sure it spoke to the now um, but was anchored, the but is, was anchored with the the seed of the first book, which I think there was a real, um, I mean, then there wasn't, when it first came out, there wasn't a lot of books for the younger witch. There were a few, a few very well-known ones, but they were very well-known because there weren't that many of them, you know, and so I wanted to sort of keep that seed and that source um, in there. And, uh, and when I say source, I mean S-O-U-R-C-E, the source of, of it because, um, yeah, there was a, I don't know, it's just, so I think that was achieved. I mean, I think I feel like but the feedback I'm getting is that there's enough old school witchcraft in there, put it that way, um, with the new the new school to make it relevant and balanced and also healthy and positive. And I love getting feedback from parents that they are happy that they, or, or whether it's, if it's not parents, it's caregivers or whoever, that they're happy that this younger person is reading the book and they like what, you know, what this young person is getting from the book. And I, I love that yeah. feedback as well. Yeah. When you say that um, how there's there weren't many books back then, I remember finding in a secondhand bookstore when I was young um, up on like up um, further north, like in Port Stephens area in New South Wales, and I found a book with my best friend at the time and we were baby witches. Um, and so I'm a psychic medium. So I, I've just always been so open to all this stuff, very similar to you, but in a, not in a witchy way, but more in a like a spirit way, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I bought the book by Silver Ravenwolf, How to Write yes. a Silver Broomstick. And I still have it. It's in my library. And um, my little girl who's eight, her name's Alaska. The other day she begged me for Doc Martens and she's eight. And so I bought her a pair of little black Doc Martens. Oh, amazing how it's all come around the docks back uniform. in fashion like, what? Oh, they are. <laughs> I love it. And she's so eight. I've always loved Docs. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but she's eight and I was sitting there thinking should I get the book out is now the time to get the book out like she's eight is it a little bit too early <laughs> you know parts of the book would work parts yeah she, would work. And she wouldn't be able yeah. to read it yeah <laughs> not no, exactly it. not yet not all of it yeah no, no um that that book was uh is a great book and you know and Silver wrote the, the the pivotal book team which I mean she really coined that phrase with that release of that book um and I, you know, I lo- I've loved all of Silver's work. I think she's phenomenal powerhouse in the, you know, in being able to put um, really readable material out there. And I've, mm-hmm. I've been given that same compliment myself where people have said you, your books are readable, like you're, you know, um, and I'm glad that because I do think there is a lot of, um, there's a lot to be said for having to search for the knowledge and the wisdom and not to have it handed to you on a on a platter with a you know a topping of cream and and uh, sprinkles you know make it that easy. Um, I definitely think the but I don't always think that um, there there are the mysteries and let's remember that what we do it's occult which is hit secret mm-hmm. and hidden. Um, but I don't think that is because there's something you know, exclusive about it. It's just you've got to earn it. 
you know, earn some of the lessons and earn some of the knowledge. Maybe sometimes you've got to lose your finger to learn it. You know, I really think that in my personal practice, that's I've lost this because in this violent way to learn something I really needed to learn um, and I'm learning it. So, so things, especially for younger people and, and what I tried to do with, you know, with Team Magic was um, present some fairly concept, complex concepts they allowed the the uh, revisit mm. the practice to um, feel included and feel um, that their interpretation matters because it mm. does every every individual witch's interpretation matters. We all uh, have, contribute our unique magic, and that's really important and an essential part of what makes us really strong. I think is is our individual individuality, but also the celebration of our individuality and how we can come together as a community. Um, and I think in the teen years, certainly me growing up, as I already myself and said I was a bit of a, you know, a bit of an odd duck. I was picked on a lot and bullied and, and you know, it, was, it wasn't called bullied back then. It was just called school. Um, <laughs> that's what school was like. Could bullied, be. beat up all the time. Be the kid. I was definitely a bit of a recluse and, um I think that uh, the teen condition lend itself to that and sometimes people drawn to witchcraft in their cult are looking for they're already they're already the odd duck they're already a bit different and not always but a lot of the time so I hope that by making things kind of readable but not done but just making them accessible Meeting them where they're at. Connect, yeah meet them where they're at and validate them um, and and help them know they're exactly the way they're meant to be and this is their journey every right to trust their journey. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Trust yeah. the path. It's beautiful. Mm. And you can feel I'm your intention behind that. Yeah. <laughs> and knowing Layla, she's just to see her and you're just like, oh, I love that. <laughs> and yeah. so I'm really, really glad that she has that book. Teen Magic would be like her Bible. Oh, it is. For lack of a better way of... <laughs> And it's, it is. It's beautiful. And when Great she was like, "Honey Bible," I just really, which is Bible. Yeah, it kind of yeah. came out before I could suck it back in again. <laughs> I think it works. We're, are we all are we all recovering Catholics in this conversation? I wonder. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she loves it, and even when she has like friends sleep over, I see them, you know, in in the room looking through things, and, oh, bless. and she'll often have the book and take it outside to do, you know, different little spells and rituals oh, and offering so yeah that she's given me her that, that personal power as well to to take it and craft her own craft rather than re- like asking me things so it's been really beautiful to see that so yeah, thank you I'm so I'm really thrilled and I I love that you mentioned she takes it outside because one of my favorite chapters in the book is the it's only natural chapter mm-hmm. and it's all about spells you do outside spells and rituals to do outside in the natural world and so I love that she's I think she's probably got that chapter open she's yeah yeah. (laughs) and then also in your book I've noticed chapter one is called what is a real witch and I'm sure you get asked this question all the time Uh, and I know a lot of our listeners are just starting their journey as well and yeah so what is a real witch well you know I have to sort of tiptoe back into what we were saying when you know when you asked me what is the witch to me and that what does the word mean and everything when we started our conversation today so what is a real witch um 
I'm just going to go out on a limb and say that uh, we do honour nature as sacred. So there's definitely that. There are elemental energies of air, earth, fire and water, say enough. I mean, no matter what kind of mm-hmm. witch you are, you're always going to kind of be using some of this, this, these kinds of, uh, you know, correlations and, and acknowledgements that there's intrinsic power in the natural world that we're seeking to align ourselves with or, or um, magnify in some way, you know. And so um, there's definitely that. And I also think that um, a real witch is consciously, um, well, I say is re- is responsible, aware of the the that their life and their path, as we mentioned, your trust the path. It's like it's something that they're forging themselves um, intentionally and. Uh, so I wouldn't I wouldn't say that if someone isn't doing that, that they're not a real witch. But I'm just saying what I've learned, what I've felt most real as a witch, me personally, maybe that's a better way of putting it. Real as a witch is when I'm conscious and mindful of the responsibility I have to live this life as a witch in the most magical way that I can, which means nothing is by chance. Everything has meaning. Um there is always the right reason even in the most difficult times um there is i can do things like i can someone might light a candle to make the room smell nice i'm doing something way different when i light the candle um and it does (laughs) impact my experience of my reality the way i conduct myself and the way others conduct themselves around me and if i want to get more esoteric than that i can start saying well you know it actually is shifting and changing things a bit but one number one thing i've learned being what a real witch feels like is i've learned how not to meddle with the universe um and to think for a minute that even though everyone has their own unique universe uh it's not for me to know to decide what is good or bad um, the witch doesn't decide what is good or bad it's not it's not to be decided by us we can't judge we must just be and and be in that sense the the most authentic it's a popular word right now authentic version of self authentic version of which uh trust the journey grow learn evolve um and ultimately remember that we are at our core, meant to be healers. We're, we're, we're here to help and serve and not um, manipulate and control. Mm. And the most powerful experiences I've had as a real witch that are so tangible have always come from being, attempting to be, to remember that core tenet of being the healer, the the one that um, is meant to assist and help and not dominate and control. Mm. Um, I couldn't agree more. mm, That's where I felt most real as a witch. Anytime I've tried to do it different to that, it's a shit show and it doesn't (laughs) work out and it's taken me, you know, but when I wrote Art of Witch, my manifesto that came out in 2019 before, you know, I had the opportunity to do teen magic. Um, and that was another one where my publishers went, you should do a manifesto. You you need to just sum it all up. And it's not a book of spells, it's a manifesto. And I, I, I mean, we both kind of agreed that that's was time, it was time. 
And uh, that was one of the big parts of it was what have I learned about practising? Why do I not recommend spells a lot anymore? Um, certainly not for witches who've been on the path for a while. I think we, there's a point where spells get a little bit redundant and it's there's other things like rituals and different ways of working at your magic that don't, um, you know, that, that are better better um better expressed through uh different types of things other than spells but that being said spell casting is creative fun often very useful and often very effective and i don't rule it out and for all i know my next book will be a book of spells who knows you never say never (laughs) (laughs) that's true i also love that in the first few pages in the book you touch on gender identity and being supportive of the lgbtqia plus community in witchcraft And a lot of the magical traditions and mythologies typically refer to the union of the god and the goddess, but you have this section in your book about the rainbow witch, so I'd love for you to share with our listeners about that. Well, I'm very, um, that that was one of the things that was, it's been a bit of, um, there's been a lot of discussion about it in certain, um, I guess, circles of modern witches as well. How do we kind of work with this non-binary identity the rainbow witch identity, how, you know, for ages we've been putting, saying, Blade, you are that which is male and and Chalice, you are that which is female, Mm. conjoined, you are the forces that shape all creation as we do the great rite in one of our rituals or, you know, like Mm. symbolic of the great rite. And it's not like that anymore. I really, really hope we don't have to have a robot one day with a bloody plastic bag inside it in rituals saying, oh, this is what forces that shape all of human creation now. (laughs) I mean, I'm just saying... I hope it doesn't go that far, but oh, don't rule true. it out um, at this stage. But, um, but you know, I feel like we're living in a sci-fi movie right now. But, um, yes. <laughs> but seriously, like the, I think, you know, when we were talking earlier about what, what does witch mean, well, witch is something that's evolving, that's answering, you know, it is, is essential, like it's part of the human condition. And that, that includes the way um, gender identity and the roles we play in society are shifting, and um, and I think that's healthy and necessary. Um, then I would say I would like to offer that you know when I talk about the rainbow, which it is that honouring of the individual's choice of path, and that doesn't mean in a narcissistic screw the rest of you. This I'm this. It's more like this is where I am most authentically expressed. This is where I feel I can be most useful in the world. This is where I feel plugged into that core core sense of love and creation that that is at the core of creation and I can best offer it in my most authentic way so there is a beautiful gift in it and um and that is where you know I think the magical community and the way we live and conduct ourselves can only benefit from that kind of you know human integrity and um that is what I offer when when I sort of talk about you know the different identities of of what that is that which is human now in these mm. times, and I don't I still as you know I identify as female as a she, and I have a uterus as well that I identify with as physical form allows me to experience this life as a female entity in the female experience. Um, but that doesn't mean I was always a female. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could have, you know, I, I actually do um, feel because of my genetic heritage, what I've, I'm adopted, what I've learned about the inherited cellular genetic memory in me, 
and, and and it's proven over and over again based on as I find out more about my biological origins and everything. It, I wouldn't rule out that I was a bloke at some point down the thing or or anything for that matter. And that um, allows me to, if I identify as that, then that's that's that. And if someone identifies as they identify, it's my job to respect that and not mm-hmm. judge. And it kind of comes back to that whole idea of the witch, the powerful witch doesn't decide what is right and wrong. She lets the universe show up. And I, I use she intentionally just to address the misuse of he for so long. But, um, <laughs> but in that sense, you know, they let <laughs> they let the universe show them. So um, and then they know they're really plugged into that 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 sort of power. So um, that they may be seeking to explore or, or have a relationship with. So um, the other thing I want to say about the rainbow, which is I'm, I'm really blessed to have a super close friend, amazing guy, Michael Herkus, and he is. Um, an author, he's written The Glam, which Glam for him stands for Greater Lilithian Arcane um, arcane Mysteries. And so he recognises Lilith as his patron goddess and I'd really recommend you have him on the show one day. Mm-hmm. Here's the, I, I actually talked to him about, you know, as, as a beautiful, you know, gay man, how does he feel? Like, because he's been a witch, he came, he was reading my books 20 years ago and coming to my book events in Chicago 20 years ago. And now he's like my best buddy. And so I just think uh, I also ran that whole section by him as well. Um, because I can't presume to know exactly how it feels to be, to be different in that way. Um, and he's not all of it either. He's not every, you know, but he has a, a you know, a, a perspective that's unique and I was lucky that he agreed to read that section and and offer his feedback. That's beautiful. I kind of feel like there's a bit of alchemy in it. Mm, I love that. Yeah. Yeah, like when I think of um, non-binary, gender neutral, all of those, all of the the rainbow flavours in between it all and we Mm. kind of sit on one extreme as masculine and feminine and all of the spaces in between, it's just an alchemy of masculine feminine and Mm. um, that's just, that to me feels like a potent energy that Mm. is now, it's now the universe is saying it's time for this alchemy to arrive and I think that that's just wonderful and magical so the fact that you're inclusive in um in this end that it is a teen book so you're meeting the teens where they might be having that um that um internal identity dilemma if they if they mm. are or they're unsure like you're mm. you're creating um you're creating space for them to move into if they want to. And mm. I just think because it and it's in such a beautiful way. It's not harmful. It's not, it's not, um, it's not exclusive, like you said. It's not like being a witch is not an exclusive thing. Mm. Mm. Um, and and it's about at the core of it, it's about trusting who you are and being authentic and realising that you are at one with all of this situation and somewhere along the line you sit in there as a working piece of that, that mm. magic. That's a beautiful And to way have the respect it. and the honour and it doesn't really matter who you are essentially in the big scope of things but um I love that what we're moving into, that the alchemy is starting to rise, I feel. Mm. I love that you use the term alchemy and that, that's a, a really fantastic 
I guess, analogy for it. And, and you know, as you were saying that, I was thinking, and it's not hidden. You know, it's it's mm. out, it's mm. celebrated, it's recognised, it's acknowledged. It's, it's, you know, and, yeah, and that's huge. And that is, um, that really taps into what we were talking about earlier where we are saying, like, you know, what is it to be which now, to be part of a huge community that's growing really fast mm. and is essential for the human condition. So the way through all this, so... I was listening to a podcast the other day. I'm obsessed with cults Mm -hmm. um, and understanding the psychology behind it. So I listened Mm. to this podcast that the, that these Christian, these two Christian men over in America have, and the episode that they just released, um, they were talking about paganism and they had a practicing witch come on and it's someone who they have come on every now and then and just sort of fills in and, and gives the kind of, they're very respectful. It gives the perspective of, of the witch and they respect her. Um, but they were saying some stats and they were saying that I think, and I'm so going to butcher this and speak out of my ass when it comes to the exact figures, but um, it was something like in early 1990 um, there was, something like 4,500 people who identified as witches in America, in the United States of America. And then by the year 2000, there was something like one point something million. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And how And even now, now you can jump to and say, well, um, if you, depending on what you use to measure it, um, something like uh, the phenomenon of TikTok, you can start, I know a lot of mainstream newspapers like to um, comment. Well, there's 19, you know, billion, um, you know, shares or hits or likes of of the witch talk tag or whatever, and you start to go into those kinds of numbers in the virtual realm. Um, that uh, you know, that clearly indicates there's a lot of activity and a lot of people um, identifying as witch and interacting as a witch. Um, and it's exciting. And it is exciting. And, you know, it was even, um, I was reading to just today, uh, my girlfriend Louise sent me an article from the Washington Post that was talking about how about teen witches now and also how just in uh, in the last couple of years the increase of books in the, about witchcraft has been, it's taken over like 46% of the market of nonfiction. And wow. that's huge, isn't it? That's, yeah. that's, you know, and I don't think I'm butchering that statistic. I'd have to sort of press buttons on my phone. I don't want to accidentally hang up one of the But, um, but yeah, it's a statistic like that. It's like 46% um, are books about rise. witchcraft that's being read in the nonfiction realm right now. And that's in America. So pretty huge. Mm-hmm. This just ne- yeah. next generation of baby witches have got some stuff to do. <laughs> mm. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> work yeah now I'd love you to guide our listeners through the four magical principles the four magical principles so um which ones are we referring to specifically the ones that are in your team magic book all right. Well, then I, you know what I'd have to do to make sure I'm absolutely clear on that we're talking <laughs> okay. about the team magic book and not the art of witch book because there's there's a few okay. in there as well that are a bit more for grown-ups. Um, let me just grab it. Hang on one second. No worries. <laughs> Shannon, I'm just quietly, quietly geeking out. Life Fiona can't hear us. Oh, coming back. <laughs> Here we go. I'm back. I just had to jump, jump away, let you enjoy your wine. I'm drinking some kombucha that I've just run out. What page is the Four Magic Principles on again? Mm, let me have a look. Have it. 
need some elevator music. We do. <laughs> Play some music. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Drop I was just listening to Witchcraft from Sea Witch. Oh, my gosh. Oh, Witch Hunt? Oh, Witch Hunt? Witch, so Witch Hunt? Hunt? Yeah, Witch Hunt. Yeah. Well, I love I love Sea Witch because it's like it's definitely kind of a heavy, here we mm. go. Yes, of course, to know, to dare, to will, to be silent. I thought we were talking about that. I just didn't want to get it confused with the laws because I didn't know how I'd written about it in the book. Um, no, just with Sea Witch, uh, the, um, yeah, the lyrics are, are definitely drawn from my magical practice and even, like I was saying, some of the spells during Teen Magic are in the Sea Witch um, songs. Um, and then musically it's very heavy uh, sort of stoner psych rock um, with a bit of a, a dash of, like groove in it so you can jump around to it um and i really like recently in light of having you know having had experienced this attack and losing part of my finger and the lacerations of my other finger and the mental trauma and but i went and did two shows in perth because i'm on the west coast on the weekend for i guess the commercial celebration of halloween um being it's our beltane down here but it's sour north and yeah. but i did two shows and played guitar um, because I'm very lucky that my I still have my chord hand fingers. I've just mm. lost the fingers on my other hand, um, but I can hold a pick. So my thumb and index. So it's like um, to have to be able to sing our songs, our Sea Witch songs, loud under the stars with a big audience uh, on on Saturday night, and then um, and then again on actual you know Samhain in the North commercial Halloween on the Sunday was so healing and there were there are lyrics like um there's a song that because we have an EP out but there's an album coming out next year but there's one song off the album called Witches Forever and the second verse the lyrics go dressed in holy flame the rope now spells my name and so it's it's kind of talking about how the witch was burned and but the rope she's taken from her neck and it spells her name Standing in the wind and rain, I feel no shame. My soul is born again. And I remember singing that. And I just, I said, I let, I said goodbye to my finger. I let it go. Oh, and you I, made me cry. And I just, yeah, and I was like, I just had this. I'm remembering, you know, witches forever. Like, I'm a witch and, and you know, the fire no longer burns me. It is, it is, I'm dressed in holy flame and the rope spells my name. I have taken, like, I have taken in everything that has been presented as a challenge and I've risen above it and learned and that was um, learned what I was meant to learn and and you know when you have these opportunities to sing in a band 
write lyrics that move you in that way and, uh, and can be profoundly healing. Um, magic. You know, it's, it is really magic. Mm. So very lucky, blessed, but there you go. So um, <sighs> having said that, the four magic principles, to know, to dare, to will, to be silent, um, I'm glad that's what we're talking about because as I described them in the Teen Witch book, um, it's... And it, but it's for anyone to remember. Um, to know is to be on that 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 sort of conscious, mindful path of learning. You know, I like I said earlier in our chat today that when I identified as as a witch all those decades ago, it it just began the path of learning. I mean, that doesn't stop. You never know it all. The more you know, that you realise the less you know, and that's really cool. And it makes life and your practice very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, always interesting. So. Um, that is what that means to be kind of mindful. We're seekers, you know. We we are um, witchcraft is for the seeker. It's the path mm-hmm. for the seeker. So we seek to learn, to know, um, to dare is to. Um, when I was talking about it in this book, it's like um, I was thinking also of the life I've lived, like um, taking chances, like even if it's just jumping out of an airplane, it's you know weighing up the risks, <laughs> deciding if they, you know outweigh the reward or the rewards worth the risk and um but always kind of being willing to take a chance willing to do something differently willing to like to dare to dare to and I would even say to question as well comes into dare to ask questions to you know try to make your own conscious authentic choices um to will originally to will was you know kind of that power over sort of thing as is my will so mote it be you know love under love love under you know will will is the law whatever all the old old Alistair Crowley stuff was um it's but will now for me has become part of the word willing willing to be of service willing to show up willing willing to know to dare to willing to to grow to evolve to be useful um to really know real the real sense of what what you know, as a younger person, you might have thought what being powerful was um, to really understand that the most powerful moment in your life is not defined by what you have, but by what you've given away or by what you don't have, um, which you sort of learn as you grow and evolve. So um, to will, <laughs> I like to offer that that's more about being willing. Um, we work magic, yes, by focusing our will and it's a bit like, you know, kind of when we raise power and focus our will into something happening in ritual. But there is a point where you understand that will is not an ego ego statement. It's about being willing. Um, and then to be silent, it kind of taps into the idea I was saying earlier about this being an occult path that, you know, you can get a book and there's lots of information or you can get online and there's tons of information. Don't even go there if we're going to go into the TikTok, witch talk land and how much, you know, is in there. Um but there is there is always something hidden. To be silent is um, when you don't have to talk about your witchcraft is when you're really practicing witchcraft. I think I've learned, and um, I think the the deepest uh, lessons are um, always on the inside. So, and sometimes silent is uh, is you know where that where that in where you meet that that magic on the inside. And also um, I also talk about to be silent and I've used this analogy a few times that when you're doing the spell or magic, especially for the younger teen, teen witch or baby witch who's trying all the stuff out because you've got to, 
you know, go on this journey of doing the spells and learning about it this way and everything and um, to, to, to know, kind of, you know, enjoy the, the journey and the lessons. It's all part of the growth and evolution of the modern witch. Um, but also, you know, when you do magic, it's like blowing up a balloon. You don't blow it up and run around and show everyone how much air's in your balloon. Like, hey, look how much <laughs> air's in my balloon. You're holding the neck open. All the air just goes out, you know. Silent means to zip it, let the magic do its work. Do your work and then let the universe take over and don't talk about it. It and then takes uh, the potency out, doesn't it? It does, it does, and yeah. it dilutes the essence of it in anything often, you know. Sometimes conversation and talk is good, but there is always, you know, the four magical principles to be silent is to know when it's time to be silent. And also, you know, um, I would also say silent is um, sometimes, and I've learned this in recent times, sometimes it's important to be the light, not the hammer. And the Spirit said that to me, you know, a few times in recent months um, is be the light, don't be the hammer, which means don't be loud, just be the light. Hi guys, Laura here. Shannon and Tracy had such a wonderful long chat with Fiona, we decided to stretch this episode out over two weeks. So tune in next week for the second half of this interview and we will pick up exactly where we left off. And in the meantime, please enjoy a track called Initiate, which is from Fiona's band called Sea Witch. See you next week.